Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast for Christadelphians and for those seeking Bible truth, brought to you by ChristadelphianVideo.org. An age-old question now. Jesus Christ is coming back, but why? Well, why isn't the world at large anticipating the return of Jesus Christ? There are over 300 references in the New Testament alone about Christ's return to the earth. In the Old Testament, there are over 1,500 references to point to that event, describing Jesus' second coming, naming him King over all the earth. The prophets, the angels, Jesus and Almighty God have spoken. All who love his appearing will be ready when it happens. So the speaker in this podcast examines the evidence for Christ's return and looks into the reasons why Christ will be king over all the earth. Hope you enjoy the podcast. It's only 30 minutes long. If you've got any questions or comments, please do get in touch. We always do love to hear from you. We love reading your comments. But until next time, may God bless you on your walk towards his kingdom. Amen. Jesus is coming back, but why? So tonight, I'm not actually going to try and convince you that Jesus is actually coming back. Let's, let's accept the fact that he is coming back. Also, we're not going to try and attempt to, to work out when he is going to come back. I'm not going to look at the signs of the times um, to work, try and work out when we think he might come back. We're going to try and focus our thoughts simply on why he's coming back. So before we look into a few of these reasons, let's set the scene When Jesus was here on the earth previously, what was he here to do? Jesus was a man. He was human like you and me. But he was also the son of God. He was born of Mary and Jesus fulfilled God's plan and purpose. He preached the gospel. Uh, The gospel being the Bible, the, the good news to all who will listen. Now it was in God's purpose that Jesus was going to die in order to save mankind. Man is a dying creature. Man has been dying since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. Uh, And men and women die because we all sin. We sin against God. So the purpose of Jesus was to take God's word to the people. But most importantly, he fulfilled God's plan and purpose and was crucified and then resurrected. Jesus died and was raised again in order to save mankind. And after appearing to the disciples, Jesus was taken up into heaven, where he now waits to return, but only when the time is right. So to answer this question then, why is Jesus coming back? I'm going to try and focus on three main points. There's lots of things that we could look at. This is a a huge subject, but let's just try and look at Let's just try and keep it simple. Firstly, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus said he was going to come back. Not just Jesus said that, but uh, the prophets, the apostles, the angels, Almighty God, 
the Bible can constantly prophesies the fact that Jesus is going to come back. Secondly, we're going to look at a few of the problems in the world. Jesus was come, is going to come back to solve the world's problems. And thirdly, our, our, our third main point is the way he is going to do that is to establish uh, God's kingdom on the earth. So let's look briefly then at our first uh, reason why Jesus is coming back. And that's simply the fact that he promised he would, come, he would return. How many times does the New Testament alone reference the fact that Jesus is coming back or will return? There are in fact 318 occurrences. So you can see it is a fundamental to a believer's hope. And it's not just one or two writers in the New Testament that, that reference the fact that Jesus will return. These references are spread around the various books that make up the New Testament. Uh, and, and Jesus spoke of his second coming many times. Let's just look at a couple of verses. Um, we have Matthew um, and chapter 24. Firstly, verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then verse 37 of the same chapter. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now it wasn't just the words of Jesus, that the teaching of the apostles was also just as clear. During the 40 days after Jesus had been raised from the dead and before he ascended to heaven, he instructed them about the kingdom of God. And during this time, Jesus taught them how all of the Old Testament prophecies concerning uh, himself, they, they were coming to fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. And in his Acts chapter 1, we read of Jesus' ascension to heaven. And at this time, God sent his angels uh, to explain Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So after Jesus had ascended uh, up to heaven, the apostles preached the gospel and the fact that Jesus was coming back. Uh, and one example of this can be found in the writings of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Now the book of Thessalonians often refers to Jesus coming back and we have quite a few examples. I've just picked out a few um, here for us to look at. The first one is, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And then the next one, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And finally, another final two from Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the final one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So before we conclude this, this first part, let's just look briefly at a, at a final passage to highlight the fact 
that Jesus said he would return. It's the last book of the Bible, Revelation in chapter 22. And here in this chapter, we find Jesus saying to all of his followers that he will not only come back, but that he would come quickly. Revelation chapter 22, and we have verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Verse 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. And verse 22, Surely I come quickly. Now we may think, well, Jesus hasn't come quickly. These words were written many thousands of years ago. But we need to remember that Almighty God is not slack concerning his promise. We have to accept the fact that as Bible believers, we must always be prepared for the fact that Jesus could come quickly. He could come at any time. Now you could easily continue this investigation in your own time. The, the emphasis on Jesus coming back continues in all of the New Testament letters. And it's always related to the practical life of a disciple. So because Jesus is coming back, there was matters in their lives that required attention. And it's the same for us today. And as I mentioned earlier, there's around 318 references in the New Testament that tell us that Jesus is coming back. Doing the same search in the Old Testament also gives us an interesting fact. The Old Testament wasn't written when Jesus was alive on the earth, but there are around 1,527 references to an event which really is, is talking about the second coming of Jesus as king to the earth. Now it's clear from the Old Testament and New Testament writings that Jesus will come back to the earth. He told us he would come back. The prophets, the angels, the apostles, all have told us that he would come back. And finally, Almighty God has told us that his son will return. Now let's now look at the second of my three reasons why he's coming back. And it's not, right, it's, it's, it is a kind of reason, and that is, it's putting an end to all of the world's problems. First of all, let me start by trying to link um, my first reason with my second reason by telling you a, a brief story. This is back to 2006, and I was at work in the office um, these days, although I don't go to the office, um, it's all working from home. So back in 2006, we were in the office, and a few colleagues had stopped work um, for a few minutes, and they were chatting about the state of the world, how to solve the world's problems. And you've probably had similar, um, or heard colleagues at work, or friends at college and at school having very similar conversations now this time I didn't join in the conversation I carried on working at my desk whilst listening to what they were saying and after a while uh, as usual they, they didn't really get uh, anywhere they weren't making any progress and just before they all went back to their desks one of my colleagues suddenly said I wish Jesus would come back like he said he would to solve the world's problems now, this really took me back, and I was quite surprised by this. Here was a chap that I had known for a few years. He didn't go to church. He didn't claim to show any belief in, in God, or as far as I knew, he didn't really read his Bible. Um, and we'd had brief 
conversations at times, when the opportunity arose, he knew a little of my beliefs. What's my point here? Well, I think there's a few, really. Um, many people, despite not professing to believe in God or, or reading their Bible or uh, in any great, um, you know, a, a lot, or sort of like choosing to follow God's ways, they often know something of the life of Jesus. If they've been educated, if they've discussed issues with religious people, then many will have heard about Jesus coming back to the earth. And also another point from that story could be that while people have been talking about the world's problems for centuries and how to solve them, the world leaders, politicians, scientists, as well as your average person that we meet off the street, people who we meet at college, at school, at work, on the bus, in the shops, we often will have these conversations with people. Um, or we may hear people having these conversations, but none of them have an answer to solving the, the world's problems in the long term. So, so what were the problems that the world faced in 2006, and, and how does it compare with 15 years later, here in 2021? Now, I cannot remember exactly what problems my colleagues were talking about that day. Um, so I just did a bit of brief research to remind myself of what was happening in the world at that time, what events had been leading up to 2006. And this is just a very, very brief um, overview or, or snapshot about where we were in 2006. Um, we were five years after the 9-11 attacks. We've, you know, we've just witnessed the, the 20 year anniversary of that, but in 2006 it was only five years on, five years then into the war on terror. America and, uh, and UK have been in Afghanistan for around five years. We were a year on from the London terrorist bombings in 2005. Um, we, we witnessed um, heat waves affecting the America and Europe in July 2006. We have the escalation of violence in the Middle East after Hezbollah captured two Israeli soldiers. We had the India terrorist bombings. There's a report that said that California suffers the worst heat wave in recent memory with temperatures reaching 115 degrees. We remember that Saddam Hussein was charged of war crimes and then hanged a few months later. We might recall the, the Sin army in Indonesia, which killed hundreds. There was North Korea testing nuclear weapons and also medium range missiles. And also Iran refused access to UN inspectors and, and also tested missiles which were capable of reaching Israel. So just a very brief recap of some of the things going on 15 years ago and the problems around the world. And also we remember in, in 2006, we were still a couple of years away from the global financial crash of 2008, 2009. And the recession has occurred in many countries. So what have we witnessed this year so far? What problems is the world facing now? I could quite easily have put a few things on a slide. I could quite easily have put a few um, headlines on a slide, but I think these things should be quite fresh uh, in our minds, what we have witnessed this year in the last couple of years. 
against the backdrop of, uh, of, a, of a global pandemic, we have witnessed many things this year. We've seen the Middle East uh, tensions and the conflict escalating yet again a few months ago. We've seen the withdrawal of, of US and, and the UK troops and, and people from Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover. In 2006, we saw high temperatures in, in various places around the world. Now it's not just high temperatures, but we have wildfires in various parts of, of the globe. We have lots of other climate, so-called climate uh, effects. We have widespread rain and flooding on an unprecedented scale, again, all over the world. We have earthquakes in various places. We have a refugee crisis, a financial crisis. We still have terrorism. There is a shortage of supplies. And then we have mass protests in various places all over the world. People protesting about a huge number of, of issues from climate change, COVID vaccines, the treatment of Palestinians, and a whole number of other things. So this is just a small uh, snapshot of, of the events and the problems that we see um, in the world and that, that the world leaders are currently faced with. And we can see how things have moved on in just 15 years and how the world leaders are, well, it's clear that they are faced with more problems or that problems seem to be getting worse than they did 15 years ago. But the Bible consistently tells us of the trouble and the problems that the world would face. If you read your Bibles, we should not be surprised by any of these events or, or how we see society behaving. There's a passage here from, from Matthew in chapter 24. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Now Luke also um, adds in fearful sights when, when he talks about the same, the same time. And Luke 21 has a, has a dual fulfilment. We, well, we are certain that these verses, uh, that these passages can apply to the end days before the Lord Jesus comes back. This one is from a passage from Luke 21, verse 25 to 27. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are told that the tribulation that will will come at the end of human government is the final event prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Daniel refers to it as a time of trouble such as never was. Jeremiah talks about the time of Jacob's trouble. Matthew talks about great tribulation. We've just briefly considered the turmoil then and the problems currently in the world, the problems faced by mankind, faced by the world leaders and the various scientists and politicians. Mankind left to his own devices cannot solve the world's problems. Society will break down if someone does not intervene 
And although I said that we wouldn't really look at, at the time when, consider the time when Jesus um, would come back, it does seem clear from looking at the, the few passages that we have looked at that this time does not seem far away. When the Lord Jesus Christ will return, he will come back and he will start to fix all of these problems. So how will he do that? He will do that by establishing God's kingdom on the earth. We're on to our third main uh, point tonight. Many times God has promised that he will rule the earth. What man has failed to do many times, God will establish. Now the Old Testament prophesied many times that the king who would do this would be a descendant of, of Abraham and David. Jesus is that king and when he comes back to establish God's kingdom... He will rule from Jerusalem and his kingdom will be one of justice and righteousness. When Jesus was here on the earth the first time, he was here to make it possible for mankind to become right with God. But only by showing belief in God and following his ways. Because of the work of Jesus when he first came, it's possible for us to find peace with God. And this is achieved by the forgiveness of sins by association with the saving work of the Lord Jesus. Let's look at a few of the key passages then. Firstly, we can clearly see that, that God has always had a, a plan and purpose for the earth. Firstly, Isaiah 45 and verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. Also Habakkuk 2 and verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The final stage in fulfilling that intention is what the Bible describes as the kingdom of God on earth. In every physical and political sense, this will be a real kingdom. It will have a king, there will be a government, there will be a capital, which, is, which will be Jerusalem, and it will have an international system of laws. And at the head of that kingdom will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the coming era of God's kingdom will be the most exciting that the world has ever seen. It will surpass all of these times in, in history that are classed as great. Mankind has, has often looks back at various ages in history and says, well, what about the Age of Enlightenment or the Classical Age or, or the Renaissance? And they always think that these were, were great times that mankind advanced. But we still have all of these problems. But we know that the Kingdom of God will provide a, a wonderful environment on this planet for all those who acknowledge God as supreme creator and Jesus as king of the world. Just use your imagination for, for a few minutes. Think about the planet Earth and, and the world and society in which we live. But think about the opposite of what you see before you each day now. Think about a world at peace. A world where its inhabitants are healthy and well fed and they do reward in work. Imagine a world in which there is full employment, where people are not exploited, where they can live long and truly prosperous lives. 
Imagine a, a world in which famine and viruses no longer kill one quarter of the, of the population, where the resources of the land and the seas are harvested, harvested for the benefit of everybody. Think about a world without racism and sectarian strife. Imagine a world without terrorism or child abuse, where everybody is a good neighbour, where governments establish good standards of behaviour and implement just forms of punishment for wrongdoing. We've only just scratched the surface, but the picture you've started to form in your minds is of the kingdom of God on the earth. And this is the main reason for Jesus coming back. Let's look at a few more passages. Firstly, Isaiah, um, chapter 2 and verses 2 to 4. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it and many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And we will walk in his paths, and for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And we go on to a passage that we, uh, from the chapter that we read um, at our introduction, Psalm 72, and a few verses there. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people, he shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. And the prophet Daniel also had some interesting words on, on the kingdom of God to be established on the earth. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Let's just take one of the world's problems that of, of hunger. Despite the apparent quantities of food in the world, man seems unable to feed the ever-growing population. The world, though, has always had the resources to feed the people. The soil has the minerals required for the production of food. We also have food in our oceans. But man cannot distribute the resources or organise the labour so that everyone can be satisfied in their work that can lead to a prosperous and contented life. But it can be done. We need to remember that Jesus was a great organiser as well as being a great teacher. Just remember the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was able to feed thousands of men and women and children how did he do it? He ordered them in groups of 50 or 100. He had just 12 assistants. When he has returned as God's king on the earth, he will ensure that the millions who struggle to find enough food for their families will be fed. 
Another couple of verses. Amos chapter 9 and verse 14. They shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And then Zechariah 8 and verse 12. For the seed shall be prosperous, the wine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their dew. We've only looked at a small part of, of this subject tonight, and there's so much more that we could look at about the return of the Lord Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. And it's really important that we focus on these things now. So I'll try to look at these key points on why Jesus is coming back. And it's been clear from, from looking at these few things that what is happening in the world right now, that the return of Jesus must be very close. So, so where do we fit in? How can we be a part of, of God's kingdom when Jesus returns? We have to recognise now that man is a dying creature, that we are all dying and the only way to be part of God's kingdom is to accept God's promise. Is to, and this is a, a free gift. We cannot earn a place because we are all sinful. We have to associate ourselves with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus by being baptised and following God's ways now. And by, by doing this simple act, we, could, we too can share in the promises that God has, has given to us. Galatians chapter 3 and a few verses from verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if we have already been baptised, or maybe we are still thinking about it, what is our motivation? If you were here this morning, you remember that Simon said that the return of, the, of Jesus and the setting up of the kingdom on earth should be our main motivation. But how much do we really want it? Just to recap tonight, we have, we have looked at the Bible consistently tells us that Jesus is coming back. We've looked at the world's problems. The Bible talk, talks to us consistently of the problems that, and the challenges that will be in the world. We can see all of this every day. And we can see that these problems are increasing. We've just considered a, a snapshot of, of what, how different things are in, within 15 years. So we might say, well, why is Jesus delaying his, his return? Well, surely it's to allow more people to, to repent, to turn aside from the ways of the world and to follow the Lord Jesus. And you might like to know what happened to my colleague uh, from 15 years ago. Well, I did have... I tried to talk to him um, following uh, those words that he said that day and he seemed to want to avoid talking about it. He seemed quite uneasy about talking about it. He was a busy man, he had a family 
And we do know that the world has many distractions. We are all busy. And the majority of people are busy. But if anybody believes and understands the concept that Jesus is coming back, or they've heard of that concept, that Jesus will come back and will solve the world's problems by establishing the kingdom of God on the earth, then we must do something about it. Each of us must grasp the hope that is in God's word, the Bible, to read it and to understand it and to always pray. And this morning we started with, with these words and it seems very appropriate to end with them tonight. Luke chapter 11 and verse 2. Because we must always pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. 